What most content entrepreneurs are doing today is they're launching on a, on a secondary platform. They're launching on Instagram, YouTube seem to be the, the best ones. And then your secondary ones, once you build that audience, tend to go to Twitch and then to podcast. And then you just try to move it up as much as you can so you can build a media enterprise. The only thing is, if you're going to do anything, start with just one. You have to build something up, become great at it, and then you can move on. That's Joe Polizzi, one of Amazon's best-selling authors, podcaster, and the founder of the Content Marketing Institute. On this episode, we sit down and talk to Joe about what it's like to content market in 2021, why building your audience is so important, and how right now is the best time to be a creator because the playing field has been leveled out. This is Lights, Camera, Grow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. My name is Jared, and today I am here with Joe Polizzi. Joe, how's it going? Great, Jared. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for your time and spending here uh, a few minutes with us to kind of chat all things content marketing and sort of what it looks like in 2021 and beyond. I know you are one of the brightest minds in this area, and we're really excited to have you on. So thank you so much for your time. Let's keep the expectations low here, Jared. Let's not <laughs> let's not go crazy. But no, excited to talk about lots going on in, in content marketing and of course small, medium sized, large businesses all getting into content creation. It's it's kind of a crazy time right now. Yeah, it definitely is. Okay, so let's give our audience a little insight of who Joe is. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I started in twenty years ago in the publishing industry. I worked for Penton Media, which at the time was the largest independent business to business media company. So we would do, you know, real niche magazines and aerospace industry, manufacturing, HVAC, whatever. And I was lucky enough to fall in the custom media group. And basically what we did instead of like what everybody else in the company did was selling advertisements, sponsorships, doing trade shows, we would help big B2B customers tell their story. So like Microsoft and HP, we would do initially mostly print magazines, and then that moved on to things like blogs and webinar programs and, and whatnot. Um, so I did that. That was a great place to learn about this whole thing called content marketing, which it wasn't called content marketing at the time. And then 2006, 2007, I had the itch to start my own thing. And 2007, left Penton and started what was later renamed Content Marketing Institute. And Content Marketing Institute turned into, after a lot of <laughs> A lot of issues, a lot of failures along the way. Uh, pretty good thing. Uh, 2011, we launched Content Marketing World, which today is the largest in-person event in the content marketing industry. Along the way, I've written seven books, well, six marketing books, one thriller, mystery thriller. And uh, I run a nonprofit with my wife called Orange Effect Foundation, uh, which we help deliver speech therapy to children who need it and can't afford speech therapy. And, and just uh, trying to enjoy the ride, but as much as I can figure out what's going on in the industry so we can help mostly this time smaller businesses and content entrepreneurs figure out how they can leverage content creation, monetize it and build a sustainable business. Uh, one tidbit I, I noticed um, going back to your nonprofit. I, one thing I read was chances are you're going to see Joe in orange. So uh, very fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Always wearing orange. Like, what's, if, the if, what's the story behind that? The brief story is, <laughs> I started, you know, blogging in 2007. Uh, my first blog post was "What is content marketing?" and everything on the site was orange. And then, as I started to get speaking gigs, I just said, "Well, I've got to represent the brand. 
so how do we do this? So I go. started just wearing orange shirts everywhere. And so that was in North America. And then I did a gig, let's see, 2009, February 2009. I did a gig in Brussels, Belgium. They invited me to come over as my first international speaking engagement. And I went there and they asked me to wear a black tuxedo. And I said, I'll wear anything you want me to. You're paying me to be here. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> so I go do the speaking engagement. Um, it's just about 300 people there that I've never met before in the black tuxedo. Get off the stage. I had three people, I kid you not, come up to me, say, Joe, why aren't you wearing orange? And it's just, I'm like, what? <laughs> what? That's the first question? She says, and the people were saying, well, we've only seen you in orange. And I said, okay, this might be a business thing. Like, this might be a competitive advantage. And then from that moment on, Jared, I just went all in into wearing orange. If you look in my closet right now, it's like opening the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It just glows. <laughs> it glows orange. And uh, it's it's worked out fairly well because as Content Marketing World, our event was launched we had orange tables of food. We had, you know, you got Cheetos and Orange Crush and everything was branded orange. And then people started wearing orange. So I said about half the people there wear something orange to kind of support the community and cause. So it's been crazy and brilliant at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. Lucky, I guess. No, that's amazing. And that's just a tidbit for anybody out there. Always kind of uh, go with some kind of brand. Maybe it's not something that you're going to plan out like Joe just mentioned, but but yeah, lean into it, right? Consistency. Oh, consistency is key. Like, you know, you look at what Zuckerberg does. Steve Jobs always wore the same thing. It's, it's, it's about, yeah, not using that mental energy to see what am I going to wear today? Because yeah. I always know it's jeans and an orange shirt and a black jacket every time. But it's the fact that if you can, however people can recognize you is better. Yeah. So I remember, I don't know if you know Mari Smith. Mari Smith is huge on Facebook. She always wore turquoise everywhere. So when she would do a speaking event, she would actually put a turquoise blanket on the speaking stage. And she would sprinkle turquoise doodads everywhere. And people just loved it. And, uh, and I just, I appreciate that kind of branding. You're like all in as a person that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's funny. One of the things that we tell, um, we produce a lot of podcasts for our clients. And one of the things we tell them about the consistency factor is people are creatures of habit. So if you put something out every month on the same day at the same time, they're already sort of expecting it. And, uh, same thing with, with like a visual, like if, if you're putting on an event, they're going to expect you to be in, you know, an orange, you better show up in orange. So yeah, that, that's an amazing story. I get people send me shoes and cups and all kind of tchotchke stuff. It's just crazy. So anyways, no, that's cool. That's really, really cool. Um, okay. So I know you are, uh, you mentioned you were an author and I know you're an Amazon bestseller. Give us a little insight on your latest book. So the latest book is on pre-order now. It's Content Inc. It's the second version. So Content Inc., I wrote the original in 2015. And what we did was we interviewed about 100 different small business content entrepreneurs, startups, and how they went from one piece of content to uh, financial independence and in some cases actually selling the business for a lot of money. And I was trying to figure out, is there an actual model? And we created something called the Content Inc. model, which... The seven steps going through the sweet spot all the way through in this today, selling it or going big. And we found it's pretty predictable. Like there's there's pretty much stages of how much time it takes to go from one step to another. And then so now I wanted to. Do, so it's been five, six years now since that version. I'm like, I wanted to update it. And we actually had some updates. It's like things like 
we we found out that content entrepreneurs get much quicker to revenue than we thought they were. So instead of waiting 12 to 18 months, they're waiting sometimes three to six months to generate revenue, however they can as we do it. But sure. what I thought was interesting is to, that almost every content creator out there do the same things and without even knowing that there's a model. They just say, oh, here's my sweet spot. Here's my content tilt. I'm going to build the base, all that stuff and going on. So the Content Inc. is an update. So we went out to another 50 or so entrepreneurs and got the case studies. And I think what I'm most excited about this book is five years later, you're seeing these individuals from all over the world start with one piece of content on one platform and sell for millions of dollars. Generally it takes five to seven years to do it. But I'm just like, this is an amazing business model. Yeah. I just get so excited that you it it is one of the key entrepreneurial models today. A lot of people don't know about it. And you don't need a lot of money to get started. You just need a lot of consistency and as you said, persistence. So that's what that's what the book is about. The new update of, of the content Inc. model and hopefully people will get it and say, okay, instead of trying to figure this thing out all by themselves yeah. in the wilderness, we can give them a map and say, here's how you do it. Here's how the best media companies in the world have done it. And here's how you can find financial freedom. That's amazing. Um, when does that actually come out? I know you mentioned May, in May? Okay. mid-May 2021. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. That's amazing. So I guess that kind of helps us pivot into the next realm, which is, well, my first question to you, since you've been in the game for so long, what is content to you these days? Because a lot of times, you know, content gets thrown around as a word. And, you know, I guess technically you can consider everything content. But sure. in your eyes and, and just your experience, what is content to you? Well, th that's you make a good point. Content is anything. It's every pixel. It's whatever. So you have to you have to have some kind of modifier. It can't just be content and lay it out there because we look around and whatever. Every little right. piece of content content by itself is is there's no context. It's meaningless. Content marketing, let's say, means that you are creating content to create long-term some kind of a behavior change in one or a group of people. That's the difference. So, I mean, I've been in, I can't tell you how many panels I've been in getting fights with people because they're like, content is, what's it's 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 everywhere. You can't do it. I'm like, no, content, you're right. It's nothing. Content marketing is mean we're actually deliberate about the creation of content, the consistency of content, who we're targeting with that content, and long-term, what we want to have happen with that content. So if you're talking about content marketing in a big company like a Red Bull, they're trying to create an audience in order to sell more Red Bull. So Red Bull is a media company that happens to sell energy drinks, if you would. If you are an entrepreneur like me, you're saying, okay, Joe is creating content in order to build an audience. And then Joe wants to monetize that audience in multiple ways. Doesn't have to be a product I have. Could be through a media revenue line like sponsorships or events or subscriptions. Or it could be I'm going to launch a product or a service or uh, I want to keep my, I want to do a magazine and I want to create more loyal customers. That's what content marketing can do. So that's kind of the important thing where between content and content marketing. And the exciting thing is, is that every company is creating content. Yeah. Not all companies have content marketing strategies. That's the big thing. They're all creating content, every social media platform, but are they doing it deliberately to obtain some kind of a goal? Eh. Not quite there yet, but we're getting sure. there. So what does that look like in 2021 as far as what are you seeing sort of like trending, at least here early stages? Well, it's funny. Um, this just happened this week was HubSpot, the tech company, marketing automation company, just bought The Hustle. Yeah, I saw and The that. Hustle is a 
for those of you not familiar with it, it's a newsletter going out to about 1.5 million entrepreneurs and, and small businesses. So here again is a non-media company buying a media company. So you're going to see throughout the rest of 2021 and beyond, you're going to see so many acquisitions of media companies by non-media companies. We've already seen it. MailChimp bought The Courier not too long ago. Um, Penn uh, Penn National bought Barstool Sports. So you're seeing this start to happen. And now, yeah, yeah. yeah, what's going on? You've got a lot of tech CEO, CEOs from all over the place now waking up to this thing that's happened for 10 plus years of, of acquisitions. And they're saying, are we missing out on something? Maybe we shouldn't be buying a Super Bowl program where, for $4.5 million when we could buy multiple niche media companies. Yeah, money making the same machine, time. Right? Yeah. yeah, so that's the big... I, I think 2021 is the year where a lot of companies get serious about it. The M&A acquisition part of it is just one thing. Um, like I said before, not every company needs to have a content marketing strategy, but the innovative and the growing ones will. I mean, if you look at who are the biggest media companies in the world right now? They're not media companies. I mean, it's Amazon. It's, well, Netflix is a media. Disney is a media company and a product and service company. Red Bull. So, I mean, these are the companies that are creating massive amounts of content, building amazing, loyal audiences, and literally just taking over the world. So, uh, it's finally, it's fun to start seeing CMOs actually take interest in this instead of it just being a hobby. Oh, let's, we'll fiddle around. Let's do that blog thing or right. let's, let's slap some stuff on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Now it's really starting to get serious and they're thinking for the first time, not about creating content, but building audiences. And that's, that's the big difference. So we've put a pretty large stake in the ground here as our agency and obviously kind of leans into this particular podcast. Our podcast is Lights, Camera, Grow. We've put in a stake in the ground saying like, Podcasts are the next version of sort of the 2.0 of blogs, if you will. And maybe they have been for a while. So where do you see these media companies or even like some of these tech companies uh, switching to a format like that? How do you see it kind of like playing out in the long run? Um, Is it worth putting the time and effort in? Because as you know, you have several podcasts yourself. Um, it's a lot of work, man. It takes, yes. you know, it takes time. It's, you know, blog, blogs are great, but in a sense, they're kind of, they can be evergreen, but for, for the internet's sake of lifeline, they're probably not as evergreen as we think or want them to be right. Um, well, and they don't take as long to kind of put together. It's um, first of all, you can be successful and build an audience on any platform. You can do it with a podcast. You can do it with a blog. You could do it on YouTube. You could do it as a Twitch stream. You could you could do it. There are easier ways, more challenging ways, and depending on how you want to do it. So let's just say that you wanted to start your, and I'll get to podcasts in a second, but sure. it's, it's important to see how we get there. So if we're starting on YouTube, you already have an audience on YouTube. So basically, you're going to rent YouTube's channel for a while, try to build that audience, and hopefully if you build a subscriber base, you can start to port that over into more of an owned media channel like an email newsletter. Podcast is a little bit better, but email is the pinnacle because you have the most control over that. Uh, So let's say that you wanted to start a blog. A blog is fantastic. Uh, You own that. You control it. 
you can get with Google, the Google gods and get CEO, uh, SEO and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is there's no audience there. You have to work really hard to get people right. to the blog. So podcast is somewhere in the middle. Um, you can, I mean, the problem, I mean, the thing I hate about podcasts is that they, nobody's figured out podcast search yet. So hopefully sure. someday that will happen. It's getting, it's getting better. It's getting better. It's yeah. getting better. But, um, but you have podcasts. I absolutely love podcasts. The way that we did it at Content Marketing Institute is we started with a blog. We just focused on the blog for three years, built an email newsletter on top of that, and then launched a podcast. It's much easier to launch a podcast if you already have an audience. Not to say that you can't launch a podcast and then build an audience, but it it you know there's an easier way and a, a more difficult way to do it. Long term, I mean, podcasts have been around for 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not new, but it's growing every year. My favorite platform is podcasting, actually, because of the fact that it's the only one that a listener can multitask with. Yep. It's the only one. If you're reading a blog, you've got to pay. You got to read the words. If you're watching a video, you're watching the video. You're gonna you can't drive your car, you're gonna run into something. You can mow the lawn, go to work, drive your car, and listen to a podcast. That's what I love. And we barely touched the surface of it with Alexa and Google Home and what Apple is doing and all the integrations of audio content. So I I love that. Now, if you were going to say, if somebody, if you ask, what's the best way to launch something? Well, the best way to launch something would be to launch an e-newsletter and then a podcast companion. That would be the best. Hard to do. Best way to do it. A lot, what most content entrepreneurs are doing today is they're launching on a, on a secondary platform. They're launching on Instagram, uh, or Instagram, TikTok, it's yeah. Instagram, YouTube seem to be the, the best ones. Uh, and then your secondary ones, once you build that audience tend to go to Twitch and then to podcasts and, and whatnot. And then into, you know, then you can backdoor it into an email newsletter, but so there's, you kind of go up to, you start at the, there's a subscriber hierarchy at the bottom of the subscriber hierarchy of things like Facebook and YouTube, where you have no control, where it's pure rented land at the top of the hierarchy are e-newsletters and membership programs. And then you just try to move it up as much as you can. So you can build a media enterprise that said, love podcast, love audio. I'm long, I'm bullish. I'm bullish on it. The only thing is if you're going to do anything, focus on, start with just one. Start with right. just one and be great at that. And like you talked about, we have multiple podcasts. We didn't start that way. You know, we very deliberate about, you know, every 12 to 18 months, we would diversify and launch something. Once we built a minimum viable audience in the other channel, then we would launch, we launched this old marketing podcast. Then two years later, we launched content Inc podcast. So you have to build something up, become great at it. And then you can move on depending on what your goal is. One of the things that we sort of love about the podcast is of course the multitasking thing is, is amazing. But the other thing is like, what other channel are you actively in somebody's ear for X amount of time, whether it's five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever that, that particular amount of time is. Um, so that, and, and I think uh, you're, you're really smart to talk about things like Alexa, Google home, Siri, yeah. like all that's coming in the future. And it's going to be um, even easier and more bite-sized to kind of get to uh, if you will. And that, that's an interesting mm -hmm. play. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how it kind of folds into a larger strategy. As, as That's right. I, I'm really curious about it. Of course, we've seen the launch of things, social audio, like Clubhouse. Yeah. Audio is really starting to take off. But I, I don't think people realize it. You just got back the radio, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people realize in the very near future, like we do most of our search inquiries through typing. 
Yeah. That's not going to happen in the future. Yeah. It's going Agreed. to be all talk. And yeah. then they has to go to a database and pull out the information from you on whatever audio device it is. So we're, you know, if you're thinking about that now, you've got a really big advantage. Talk to text or talk to, you know, search or whatever you want to call it is, is yeah. definitely uh, a really interesting thing that's going to continue to happen. Um, okay. So let's jump back into the multiple mediums and multiple content streams that you're continually uh, building on. My question, this is just probably a selfish question, but how do you actually find time? What's your team look like? And what are the pain points that uh, you, you kind of have as you're building all these different streams of content? So let's go back in 2007. It's just me. I'm basically writing three blogs a week. And I had somebody sort of help me looking over proofreading, copywriting. Uh, but I uploaded to the website. Uh, I did all the, you know, I was working on the SEO. I was doing everything. So that's you know generally how an individual starts with just one. Even, on a, even in a corporate environment, it's usually just one person doing all this stuff. Then you move on as you start to grow. So uh, as things progress, you say, okay, well, let's say that I want to be then in charge of strategy. I'll be the chief content officer, if you will. And then you're like, okay, well, then you need a, a managing editor. You need an edit, editor or chief editor. You need somebody to oversee, okay, what, what are we talking about? What's the mission? Who's the audience we're targeting? And then we've got to figure out, okay, do we need channel experts? So do I need somebody uh, running the YouTube channel? Do I need somebody producing the podcast? Do I need um, somebody running the social media and community? So those all separate out. The way that I like to do it, and some people will disagree, is that's all 1099 roles for me. That's all... I, I don't want, um, there's so many companies, content creators that say, okay, we want to go hire somebody. I think that's a 15 year old model. I think the model today is what do I need done? What specific thing? Do I need proofreading done? Do I need somebody to write a 750 word article once a week? Do I need somebody to actually produce a podcast for me? And you say, okay, here's the execution areas. And then you go and find somebody and say, okay, that person's going to spend five hours a week doing that. And that person's going to spend 10 hours doing that. So basically what happened from 07 to let's go 2016, because 2016 is the year we sold Content Marketing Institute. We had about 50 independent contractors working on all different parts. And that doesn't include the event because the event by itself had another 40. Sure. The people that just came in for the event. So, so it's not to overwhelm people. The, what you want to do is just break out the tasks. First of all, what do you want to do? Like, what are you good at? What do you want to do as a content creator? Keep that stuff great. And what's all the other stuff you don't want to do or you're not good at? List those things. And then that might be one person or it might be five people. And that's what we've seen across the board with these content startups. And they're just mostly, you know, 1099 independent contractors along the way. And what's great is, is that the... In, in the past, when we started this, there's a lot of people that didn't like that model. Today, that model is everywhere in content creation. People accept it, love it. They, you know, you you pay them well for their job. Everybody's happy. Uh, we're growing. Everybody's growing, and it works out fairly well. Yeah, that's interesting. So the like, I, I think the agency model, or at least the old agency model, was sort of like that old realm. Let's hire the entire team. We need this. Yep. large agency of of uh, of people on staff and now it's sort of morphed into exactly what you're you're talking about with the exception of now it's not just an internal content creation now it's you know going out to multiple clients um and that's sort of like how we we run our agency we have our core group of 
staff people and then everything else from there, you know, we just kind of scale up and down as needed. So that, well, that's- you probably, yeah, you're, you probably focus on great project management and great customer yep. service. And that's what we did when I worked at Penton Custom Media, same thing. We, the only person that we had that actually was a salaried employee was the project manager. Everything else, the editorial, basic, mostly the design, the printing, the production, the distribution, all that is outsourced separately, but the project manager owns it. So that's where uh, that model works fantastic. Doesn't doesn't mean that the other model doesn't work as well, but you just can't be as flexible with that. Right, right. And that's so you're like, oh, I've got to use the person that I have on staff to do this because I'm already paying them. It's a tough spot to be in. Somebody else can come in and say, well, I we can go get the best editor writer in the world right now. I know him. it's right there. So <laughs> just do it that way. Yeah. Let's jump into something. Um I guess a little bit pivoted from here, but what are, what are you really excited about? Um, I know you've kind of touched on a few things, but what are you, what are you seeing out there that you're really, really kind of jazzed about? That's, that's kind of happening on the forefront aside from like all these larger companies starting to pick up content marketing and a lot of, you know, content creators coming out. What, uh, what else is out there that you're seeing? So as everyone knows, who's listening to this been a pretty tough time over the past year plus, but at the same time, if you look at the stats a couple months ago coming out of the Wall Street Journal, we've seen a boom in entrepreneurship for for some obvious reasons, right? A lot of people are saying, it's life's too short. Life's too short. I'm going to do my own thing. In other cases, they get let go. Yep. Especially in the media, uh, you know, a lot of media models, a lot of content creators are being let go. What excites me is, is the number of people that are launching their own trying to launch their own content empires. This is really, really exciting. We haven't seen a boom like this for a long, long time, probably since 08, 09, where you have a, a number of content creators coming into a space trying to do something. So then now you have tools that are helping with that, like a Substack. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Substack that, you, you know, how many writers have left their traditional media roles and are going to Substack and building audiences that way? And, and they're able to, you know, build something long-term and sustainable and, and maybe do something really, really big with it. So I love that. We're just at the start of that process. And I believe, I don't, I can't find the numbers. We're going to get the numbers, but I believe you're going to have a very large percentage of the entrepreneurs over the next three years focus on content creation. They're going to be these content entrepreneurs as I seem to be calling them. And look at the younger crowd. Look at, yeah. look at old gen, look at, Look at young Gen Y, old Gen Z. What are they doing right now? They're they're really, really, really good at building audiences. What are they not really good at? Monetizing those audiences. So that's where they have to learn the different business models for how to do that. And I, I mean, we're, we're seeing this. It's an industrial revolution going on in content creation. And I don't know how many people are noticing. I think a lot of people just are saying, oh, wasting a lot of time on social media, playing games. <laughs> that YouTube thing. <laughs> yeah, YouTube. But I, I see something different. I see, wow, they really are starting to understand how to build audiences. That's very exciting. Let's help them get the get to the next level. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because everybody's kind of home looking at, you know, some streaming service, whether it's the highest end of like Netflix or HBO to, you know, the normal everyday thing, which is like YouTube. Um, I mean, just the amount of content that that Netflix has invested and put out and the creators that they're adding to their platform I've, I mean, I know several YouTube um, creators that have crossed over to sell documentaries to Netflix. So, you know, like this, this, um, this merge of 
what was here and what was there is, you know, starting to kind of level out. And I think to me, that's the most exciting thing is just seeing people, everybody kind of get a fair shot. It's like an even playing field and everybody has a chance to build an audience, to monetize an audience, to, you know, become the next thing, if you will. So, yeah. Oh, I love that part. That's a great point. I mean, when 2007 was sort of, you know, the dawn, you know, Google was just getting it into its own. That was the the year that uh, Twitter launched and we had Facebook growing. And it was the first time when you actually could have content creators build an audience without investing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars yeah. before that. I mean, shoot, I grew up in print publishing and it would cost you three to six dollars a name for audience acquisition. And you had to invest a lot in your print, especially print production and distribution and all that. Not that I mean, I still love print magazines, but today it's digital content first. And anyone with any budget, as long as they're consistent, they have some grit and persistence about it. They focus on a particular audience niche, become the leading expert in the world of that audience and deliver for 12 to 18 months. You know, I, I would say to them, if you do that really well, I think that a $5 million valuation after five years is reasonable. Yeah. And most people don't believe me, but you, once you get to 12, you have to get to 12 to 18 months because those are the grind years that you, you're just building an audience at that point. Yeah. That's the thing is there's no, there's no get rich quick version no. of it, right? It, it, it's, it takes time no matter. And I mean, that's just in general, no matter what you're building business or, you know, content or brand or whatever it is, it's going to take time and you know a lot of um i think the younger generation kind of gets a little bit mixed up because something goes viral and then um mm -hmm. you know it works for that one percent or maybe the 0.1 percent of whatever that is you know and it, it will happen but i mean it, you know that's a pipe dream and again that's um going all the way back to like even if you're like an actor right that 0.1 percent that actually makes it to that level um, or, or just any, any industry in, in general. So, um, yeah, I think the time, the time factor is really, really important. So. Well, by the way, the time factor, the bigger, the, the younger people get it better than the corporations, the big enterprises. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. They for do, sure. they do content campaigns. And I think that's so funny because if you say content campaign, you're already telling me that it's going to stop at some point. Right. And they, so they don't, they say, oh, we're going to do this content marketing campaign, which doesn't exist, by the way. Three there's six no, months or whatever. Yeah. yeah, there's no such thing as content marketing campaign. Right. But right. Joel, we're going to do a content marketing campaign and here's our nine month plan and we're going to start here and we're going to stop here. I'm like, oh, that's great. You're going to build an audience. You're going to invest in that audience, build a relationship with them, and then you're going to stop. Okay. You might as well not even do it. Like right, this right. Is a terrible way to do it. So, yeah, it's, and it takes a long time and they, that's why most enterprises are terrible at it because they're used to advertising. They're used to, okay, well, let's target our message. Let's go blitz them with this message advertising. We'll see immediate results and then we'll move on. Well, that's not how content marketing works. Yeah. And even, even in the advertising realm, the whole model is kind of flipped upside down at this point, right? Because it used to be the Super Bowl ad, right? Let's buy this one spot that's going to show up here at this one time. And, you know, it's going to turn millions of heads and we're going to, you know, see some type of ROI off the back end of it. Where now it's like this slow play. Like, how do we do these small versions of these ads where it's a lot less expensive? We can put them in multiple places, but we can also build on that story over time, build on that brand over time. At least yeah. if you're thinking about it in, in, you know, that kind of re regard. But yeah, the, the ad model is completely flipped as well. And then, and then the, and what you'll probably see, I haven't seen any of the Super Bowl ads yet, but I would imagine that a lot of those Super Bowl ads will go to their, to own content, to their yeah. own. It's like, yeah. go check us out here and see this mini series that we've yep. created. That's 
right now, that's what a lot of advertising, new advertising is going to, is trying to get people to go to their own content so they can build their own proprietary audiences and have their own first party data. Cool. That's a great spot to kind of close out on. So where can everybody find Joe? Uh, I'm, I'm at Joe Polizzi on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. That's my social media home, if you will. Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I dot com. That's where you can find out all my books, about Content Inc., the new book coming out. Uh, the freebie that I've got going on right now, I wrote a book called Corona Marketing, how to, you know, how marketers can survive the pandemic. And I've got 13 points and it's free. Just go to coronamarketingbook.com. You can download it, share it with your friends, do whatever. I just felt, I was getting a lot of questions about, what marketers need to do to survive this period and wrote it down. It's done pretty well. So giving away for free helps. So awesome. <laughs> so that we'll, we'll definitely link that in our show notes. Thank you. Thank you. Any final thoughts for the audience? I guess whoever's listening to this, whether you are an entrepreneur or whether you're small business or whether you work for a big company, what I w- I'm not, I would never say go out and create more content. What I like to go and recommend is doing a content audit, saying, seeing what you're doing right now and start to cut things out. And that's the first, like when I've done content audits for billion dollar companies for a long, long time. And generally we rarely recommend something new. We usually say, look, stop wasting time with that YouTube channel that's not doing anything. You, you have six podcasts and nobody's listening to five of them. Let's make the one great. You know, those types of things and move resources because we only have so much content energy as an organization. So let's move some of that energy and be great at a few things. And by the way, that's media one-on-one model. Any great media company, have they've all focused on being great at one thing. New York Times being a great newspaper, Huffington Post, one great blog, TED Talks, great in-person event series. Those, that's how you get great. And then you diversify. Most companies diversify too soon. So that's my thing. Start looking at things you can cut so you can take those resources and energy and be amazing at one or two things. Well, thanks so much for your time, Joe. This is amazing. Tons of tidbits and lots of knowledge dropped here. Uh, We'll make sure to refer everybody to the book and to your website and to Corona Marketing, which is really interesting. Once again, thanks for your time, Joe. Thanks, Jared. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks to Joe for being our guest. And thanks to our production team who put this together. Don't forget to check out all the latest podcasts on the Toby Agency Podcast Network. All you need to do is head over to tobyagency.co forward slash podcast. And if you like this episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. We'll see you on the next one.